recording now and hey everybody welcome to the latest episode of candy corn cinema i'm joined today by our previous one of our previous special guests uh mr chris doman who as far as i know he's the one who picked these two movies right chris uh more or less i yeah. you know I, I pitched the idea to angle and you know for you two to talk about mm-hmm. but then you know thanks for scheduling conflict you know he had to step aside and i was like well then i guess i'll I'll hop in. Since it was your uh, idea. About, <laughs> I'll, I'll take credit for it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So we usually start off with uh, with the oldest movie here. So why did why did you think, first off, let's talk about why did you think these are good as a pair? I thought these were good as a pair because it, when you think of James Bond, I feel like this is one of the first films that people tend to think of. Uh, you know, people. some people might say GoldenEye or Casino Royale. But I'm always inclined to think of Goldfinger as the quote-unquote gold standard (laughs) to which the franchise has been held up to. You know, yeah, sure, is it my personal favorite? No, that's more from Rush With Love. But And when I think of movies or TV shows that, you know, pay homage or parody or even spoof the James Bond franchise, Goldfinger is usually the one that they tend to go after. It's it's the one that set the template for not just its own franchise, but for all, like I said, all the parody spoof stuff that came as a result of it. it, it's that much of a cultural icon. Yeah. And then Cody Banks, yeah, pull, it's pretty much a, it's, it's, it's kind of a spoof. Like that's the thing is it, it works, it works on it. It works on on its own level and we'll get to that eventually. But, but yeah, yeah, let's start, let's start with the classic here. James, James absolutely. Bond Goldfinger. So it's the third James Bond movie that, that was released. And like you were saying, it's, it is the one that starts off this kind of a, uh, almost campy tone like it does it so well and it like the first frame of this movie is james bond rising out of the water with a seagull on his head and i was like like sean connery can make that a lot more suave than say maybe uh what george lazenby can do with in a in a clown costume right <laughs> uh more uh, shit i knew i was gonna fuck it up once or twice in this yeah i'll see how many times i do it in this one more uh, yes. it, it's all good like you know I'm, I'm more than happy to quote unquote help correct <laughs> now it's and it's funny that we were mentioning uh lazenby there because after i you know rewatch both the films and I started to think about it. I'm like, you know, this almost feels more like Magic Secret Service, but Goldfinger is still a great talking point to mm-hmm. compare these films to. Um, but yeah, unofficially speaking, guys, you want you want a really interesting double feature. <laughs> Pair Cody Banks with Majesty Secret Service. You almost have the exact same story, oh, but yeah. a very different outcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shippers beware on that one. <laughs> so yeah, so this 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 gives us like basically the cold open, the Bond cold open that that becomes kind of standard and standard for even yeah. like spy movies just in general, right? Like this has nothing to yeah. do with the rest of the the plot. It's just about. It's just about Bond has to do a mission, and it just proves that he is he is capable and he is able to do things. And I think it's a very good very good showcase for Sean Connery. Yeah, and it's kind of the uh, it's the perfected version of what they started doing in From Russia with Love. With like, yeah, you had the opening scene where James Bond was killed, but uh, you know you have this version or you have this cold open that's literally it, it it's a five minute short film. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know, is capped with literally everything that makes Bond Bond. He's that cocky, suave, knows how to do his job badass who can always come up with a great one-liner. I mean, because, you know, after he throws the, the 
whatever electric appliance in the hot, in the tub when the dude's thrown in there, you know, and just have that great line of yeah, space shocking. heater, yeah, <laughs> positively shocking, you know, and it's perfect because. Mm-hmm. Connery can pull it off like a pro. Yeah, Connery so. is Connery is so great as James Bond. It's just it's it's uh it's it's clear like why he's usually people's number one. Like is up until up until basically Daniel Craig revives revives it for the modern day people. The the new generation seems seems to be stuck on him, but it's hard to it's hard to contend with with Sean Connery's. So right yeah. right after that. Um, we go to Miami. They send him. They send him to Miami. So it's kind of it's kind of connected. Like it's not connected, but it's kind of connected. So after his after his mission, he gets sent to Miami, basically to to recoup, but to spy on on a international gold. Uh, what is it? What what, what should we call well, him? So yeah. So so Auric Goldfinger, our title character. He's um he's an Ill, he's an you know a legitimate uh dealer supplier in gold and he's also a legitimate uh jewelry person you know that's 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 his legitimate front but of course as anyone with a brain can figure out he's clearly a maniacal uh crime boss with some sort of devilish intent what is it who knows but we'll find out throughout the film and actually when we get to it it low-key is actually one of the greatest plans in a bond it's a great plan but, but yeah, so we have that character, and he's yeah, we're in- you know, and we're introduced to him very, very interestingly. We're he's he's a gambler. We know that he's a gambler, and he likes to he only likes to win. That's that's what we're introduced, and we're also introduced to James Bond not liking to follow orders and not liking to do what he's actually supposed to do because he's not supposed to in- interact with Goldfinger at all. He's only supposed to observe and watch. But he uh, he can't help himself when he sees a pretty lady, so he approaches the pretty lady and he he interjects himself within Goldfinger's spectrum, which causes this uh, this woman that he ends up sleeping with to uh, to be covered in gold paint and suffocated to death. And it's it's actually kind of interesting because like the whole thing with Jill Masterson, uh, it's it's so fascinating to see that Goldfinger is so. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily say the word pathetic, but he's so set on how he wants to look in a public in a public view mm-hmm. that he will straight up hire just anyone, in this case being Jill, to read his opponent's cards in a game of gin rummy. And, you know, cheat. That's that's Goldfinger style. He likes to yeah. cheat as long as he can win. That's his that's his mo. You know. And yeah, honestly, talk about another just iconic moment from the franchise itself. You know, seeing Jill just laid out on the bed, covered in gold. You know, courtesy of Odd Job, who oh, I'll gush over him in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Odd Job, but we we also oh, yeah. we skipped over the t- the opening, the title sequence. We we can't forget to talk about because I think it happens that? in between in between the Miami going to Miami, and it's yeah, it's this beautiful and it works so well. This kind of almost at points abstract projection of parts of yeah. the movie on on a gold painted body who was actually she was the stewardess that Bond slaps away. I do believe. The the uh, the the men are talking. The men talking oh, scene. Yeah, I do yeah, believe uh, it's her. Dink, that, dink. dink. Yeah, yeah. And then that's her. That's gold painted for the projection of the film. But it's just it's and it's a great song. Gold the Goldfinger song. The theme. See, <laughs> from a song perspective, I absolutely agree. I, I do think the lyrics are great. And Shirley Bassey, she gets a little bit of flack from some Bond fans, and a little rightfully so. 
because her her sense her style of vibrato can be a little um it's strange say overbearing yeah yeah but i do think it works for the song overall yeah. Yeah, I think I think it fits with gold. Like it feels like some yes, somebody absolutely. is hitting a bar of gold. Like that's what it feels like a like that high that high pitched ting of it. Like you're smacking yeah. like really like metal together and stuff. Like I think it works. Yeah, it definitely works well. But absolutely. So we get a nice golf sequence next. Well, we, we M M calls uh, Bond in first. Yeah, we we can't yes. we can't forget this because he goes he he does. We get one of we get the first kind of. So the director of this movie ended up directing a couple more Bond films. And uh, his name, yeah, Guy Hamilton. Um, and he um, he was the one who went to um, Desmond Har- Harrington, right? Oh, uh, Desmond Llewellyn. Llewellyn, yes. Um, and he wanted um, Q to be more more fun and more kind of jokey and more uh, more campy and that's what kind of we get this extended sequence of just a bunch of different things in in the Q branch and a not quite working flak uh, ballistic vest and and we get the the DB5 we get a we get an introduction to the DB5 oh my god and uh, and the walk around with all of its uh, all of its different self defense mechanisms that surely will come into play later. I'm I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh yeah, well I mean, and that's that, that that's the beautiful thing about all the Q branch scenes in these movies. Like you know, everything that we see will come back in an awesome way. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of uh, the the whole briefing segment, I have to give credit to the fact that this is one of the few times where I'm still kind of genuinely upset that the franchise never allowed Bond and Money Penny to really be a thing because they're so good. Crap, the, the chemistry mm. is just so unreal between I mean, these two. Like, yeah, it's great in Dr. No from Russia with Love. They have a great sequence, but this is where I'm like, oh. If, if Sean Connery stayed on as Bond probably through like a five or six movie thing, I'm probably guessing that's where they would have ended. If they wanted to end Bond happily or like retire Bond, they yeah. would have retired him with Money Penny if he would have stayed on, I think. But when they yeah. started switching Bonds, it's like, eh, this is, we can kind of do whatever we want whenever we want now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what's your uh, favorite? What's your favorite Q thing? Like it doesn't even have to be from Goldfinger. I just want to know because we're we're in the Q branch right now. So what's what's your what off the top of your head? Because there's so many of them. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that is the problem. There's so many of them. I mean, yeah, obviously the Aston Martin from this movie mm. comes to mind because I still want that car. <sighs> it's I classic. want that damn yeah. car. But another one, or, or heck, the the car from Spy Who Loved Me also comes to mind. But I think what has always stuck with me even from when i was a kid is the exploding pen yes from goldeneye <laughs> yeah yeah that's a great that's a great choice well yours um oh man often no it's got to be the db5 the db5 is one of the it's just the car is the one of the most beautiful things ever created. And then to put like a bunch of spy gadgets in it, like if we're talking the James Bond DB5, then yes, yes, hands yes. down. Like that's, I'll take that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, down. machine guns, radar, yeah. oil seat, slick. Yeah. Oh, the ejector seat's so good. Yeah. Um, but so this, and then so we go into the golf scene after this. It's a, uh, an, an extended, an extended golf scene. Where like I was like okay yeah yeah James Bond is English this this is made for an English audience still like this is the third movie in the franchise it's it's getting big but it's still made by English people pretty much for English people and it's like 
it's a good good 15 20 minute but it's fun like you get there it's a it's a tit for tat between goldfinger and uh and uh bond i, I was about to say so so yeah funny if they're playing golf but realistically we all know they're they're playing chess <laughs> yes yes it, it's a total chess match mm-hmm. like you and know the switching uh, of the balls bond, and exactly you know bond picking up the actual slazenger one is you know that's that's his night to night in front of the king for check you know it's it it's one of those things where I'm like, this is the kind of filmmaking that makes so much more sense when you stop to think about it. Even if, even if at first it seems like it's coming off a little contrived, maybe mm-hmm. a little confusing even. But once you see the whole picture fall into place, everything clicks. Yeah. And it's more you of know, Bond being a, a real spy. Like, a, like he is yes. he is face-to-face meeting with the, his target, which is probably not the best thing for a spy. Why? But like secret agent, yes. Like he is, he is doing what he need. He's he is, he is good at his job. Like this is this is yeah. before he starts. Like I feel like sometimes in in the later James Bond, it's, it's it's more that the the gadgets and everything else, and Bond is more bumbling through some of these some of his adventures. I find, but but yeah. Kind of. yeah. <laughs> But so this is our odd this is our odd job introduction. We get we get introduced to odd job and properly introduced at the end of the golf scene with with the with the bowler hat of doom. So you wanted to talk about odd job. G- give me give me what oh. you give me what you want. Well, n- never mind uh, cheapest character on Goldeneye for the N64. But, no slaps. You know, no slaps. Oh. <laughs> but like you know talk about doing so much and saying so much without giving the guy even one line of dialogue. Notice that this time. Like, you can tell his entire personality. You can tell about his upbringing. You can, you you know this character just from how he acts. That's, like, and seriously, nothing but serious props to... Harold Sakata, uh, Her- yeah. Harold Sakata. There we go. Thank you. I got uh, one. <laughs> and and, and everything that he was able to bring to the film through just physical mm-hmm. performance yeah it was you very know. it was very um almost vaudeville right like it's very it's very yeah. like my it, he was he's a great great yeah like you said physical performer and that's because he's a wrestler and i made note of that with the, especially with the at the end with the their bond in his fight scene like it's it's for the time for the 60s it's one of the best like it's still one of the best fight scenes but it's one of the best fight scenes for the like the 60s it doesn't look like people are just ragdolled and and just throwing themselves around at wild punches and and like like some like choreography was not important to movies for a long long time. <laughs> for a, it probably I'd say I'd say probably until the nineties. Thanks, thanks Star Wars for yeah. that important uh, <laughs> thing. Well, I mean, I would even say to like Matrix, if if we're being honest, like fight choreography, right? Like for Hollywood fight choreography, the Matrix is like kind of the turning point. Uh, until then, it's still pretty much Indiana Jones. That kind of like, kind of still big theat. It's good, like it's really good, but it's still theatrical. There's lots of thwaps and and yeah. and like really big windups and stuff. And Matrix, I felt like went more towards the reality, and that's what was great about this one. But the end fight with Bond and and Sakata is that he, since he's a wrestler, he can bring that kind of real kind of violence to to their fight. And he got he got burned pretty bad apparently with the with the with the electro uh, the hat, and he like held on. He wanted to do it. He just held on. It's like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, they were not. They were not messing around when mm-hmm. they actually filmed this. He was like, he actually did get injured, which, you know, props to him. It's it's it, 
And it's one of those things where you hear about it and you're like, you know, it, it's one thing when an accident happens, but the actor can still commit to the performance. Like, it's why I give Margaret Hamilton all the credit in the world for getting basically burned alive on the set of The Wizard of Oz and still finishing the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, we talked about that last week. It was just is nuts. Yeah, it would not, along with the makeup, too. Like, <laughs> the makeup was toxic as well. It's like, okay, well... <laughs> and the fact that she was hated for the rest of her life because everybody thought she was evil. It's like, oh, man. Like... I mean, great performance, but now everybody thinks I'm bad. <laughs> but back to uh, back to Goldfinger. So after um, after we end of the uh, the golf course here, where where does Bond end up? I'm trying to remember here, Chris. Uh, Bond winds up uh, starting to continue to follow, or he starts to follow. Oh, that's right. Uh, this is Goldfinger where we're introduced all the way, to all, yeah, all the way to Switzerland. Yes. So, you know, of course, you know it's a Bond film when we're going to all kinds of crazy locales, you know, and oh, there's something about the Swiss Alps that just makes me go, you know, I want to do two things while I'm here. I want to go drive around like a maniac, and I want to stand in the field, twirl my arms, and sing. <laughs> so, and th- this is where we're introduced to um, to Tilly, uh, Tilly's sister. Her, um, uh, Yeah, Jill's sister. Jill's Tilly. sister, Tilly. There we go, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and she isn't trying to assassinate Bond the first time, even though she's a real bad shot, as she says later. If she wasn't aiming for, for Bond and she was really aiming for Oric Goldfinger. But um, Bond, Bond basically... Uh, what does he do? He, uh, he attacks her car with his, with his DB5, right? He slices her up, and somehow she's like, oh, wow, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> she's and, she's and completely, she yeah, like, yeah. You know, she can clearly tell he did something to mess her car yeah. up, but she's like, well, you messed my car up, so mm-hmm. thanks. And then jerk. Bond leaves her on the side of the highway <laughs> on, well, at, at no, a gas she station. she elects to stay because yeah. she's like, if I stick around with you, you're probably not going to take me to Goldfinger, mm-hmm. and I want to blow his brains out. So, you know, I'm just going to stay here and wait for these new tires to come into my car so I can do the job myself. Yeah. Even though if maybe she had just, you know, said that from the get-go, maybe it could have had a more interesting dynamic, but... While I do understand how some critics may have said that, like, her character is kind of a waste, and I get it. Mm-hmm. I disagree, but I get it. <laughs> you know, uh, it is one of those things where I, I, I'm I, glad we got the character, though I do admit maybe we could have had just a little more. Just a little more. I will, I will admit uh, a, couple of the, a couple of the women got a little... Uh samey for me in this movie like they felt a little like the bongos felt a little little the same i kind of got a little confused it's like wait i thought somebody was just dead it's like okay so it's her sister and then when pussy galore shows up later i was like okay wait which one i thought pussy galore already showed up and it's like oh no this is this is her we know this is her definitely now right but um but it's just (laughs) so bond then goes to um to his uh goldfinger's factory and he sees uh He's, this is the part where it kind of slows down for me a little bit, right? Because he's doing, he is doing more spy work, but it's just kind of like, like, oh, he goes and he sees, sees the physicist and he knows that there's a physicist there, right? Feels like something that could have been handled and would have been handled later in the franchise in like montage or like quick clipped, right? Like kind of like a quick, uh, a quick view of, of Bond doing kind of spy things. Whereas I kind of feel like it slows down the, uh, Slows it down a little bit until uh, Tilly shows back up, of course, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I and then Tilly kill or Oddjob kills Tilly, which oh, which is God. good. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, good scene again. A, a great way to sell to sell our villain. Yeah, an absolutely great way to sell Oddjob as the villain as 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 a great henchman. Like this is a guy who gets shit done. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he he will just kill you on a whim, yeah. and then he you know they capture Bond. And that's that's when he gets on the jet, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh no, no, I'm missing the most. You're missing probably the parody thing in this movie, or the the most inspired thing in this movie, right? Like this, this is the thing. Yes, this is the thing that like pretty much every like evil villain on any cartoon has done to any hero. It's in it's in everything. You know where you got him on a slab of gold. And, you know, he's, you know, Bond's trying to talk his way out of it. And somehow he actually does, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But, of course, you know, the, the laser's going off and it's going slowly, slowly to split him right up the gonads, which, you know, I remember uh, a video from Todd in the Shadows where he was like, no, not James Bond's nuts. He needs those. He uses those more than I probably use my thumbs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like, that's when he knew that it was serious. Like, he, like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like he could have, like put my feet together and I could have been cutting out from there, but nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Know, straight for straight, straight for the money pennies as it were. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and of course we have that, that, you know, iconic line, you know, do you expect me to talk? No, Yo, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Great. And actually fun thing about this movie that no, like, again, not a lot of people have mentioned so Gert Frobe is officially credited as Goldfinger. That's not his voice. That sounded a little different. Who is it? I I knew this about a year ago, and I oh. totally forgot. <laughs> you totally forgot. <laughs> no, but, it's not uh, good. <laughs> but, if, but if you do want to hear what Gert Frobe actually does sound like, you can watch an, a movie that's based on another Ian Fleming book called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Because he's, he's, the, he's the king of Bulgaria in that movie. I didn't know that was a... Uh... Uh, based on an Ian Fleming book. Oh, wow. It is. Yes. Oh, wow. So, you know, Ro- Roald Dahl, the uh, ever-wonderful children's author, decided to do his friend Ian Fleming a favor by writing the screenplay. So, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's cra- that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, no. So, yeah, you know, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Like you said, you we, we've seen that done in every movie. Like, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that Cody Banks didn't do any like an exact yeah. version of that scene. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they, I can't remember if they did it in the second movie, but it's in London, so I, I doubt it. <laughs> I've kind of avoided the second movie, if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> I saw it once or twice when it, when it came out, but yeah, I haven't, I not, not at any time recently. But okay, so now again, I'm, I'm I was missing. Now we get onto the plane. This is when Bond is, is placed on the plane and we meet. The uh, we meet Pussy Galore. <laughs> you must Bond must be dreaming. It's like that's the thing. It's like they they knew the name. Like they made the joke right after they introduced her. So it's like I I get it. It's yeah yeah. So what what are your thoughts on 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 Miss Galore as and her flying circus, Chris? Uh, I think she's great. She's honestly one of the better examples of of that henchwoman who is turned later on in the film spoiler mm-hmm. alert because again that's what the point of this podcast is to you know spoil the living hell out of films uh <laughs> you know and obviously you had other examples like mayday from view to a kill but you know or even uh oh 
crap. It's not uh, what's her face from Octopussy. Uh, but point being, you know, she is one of the better Bond women who doesn't just immediately fall for Bond. Yeah. Like Bond really has to lay on the charm just to <laughs> well, have even charm, shot well, <laughs> charm. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there yeah. in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, she she's definitely an icon unto her under herself. Like. Uh, you know, like a lot of the strong Bond women yeah. were, and you know, it's really awesome that pretty much all the pilots in this women or in this movie are women. Yep, it's cool. You know, I, so I really was, like the the twist that like the flying circus is, is, is these jets, right? These women that fly jets, and they're they're the, yeah. that's that's they're they they're really great at what they do, and and no, and they're and they're great looking, and they don't care, right? Like that's 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 the best yeah. thing. It's one of the one of the great things about um about this whole thing. So. When when they get to um, Kentucky, uh, Bond Bond goes through the the tunnels in Goldfinger's Goldfinger's estate and basically ends up uh, peering through in into a meeting with uh, with all these bad gangster stereotypes in America. And I, lo- I love I love it. all the Chicago gangsters and the New York gangsters just being mad at each other. Yeah, right. yeah. And this is where we get the, the 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 explanation of uh, yeah, Goldfinger's which, massive which plan, is here, which is a great plan. Where we get seriously oh, one of the best plans in any Bond film. I mean, literally setting off a nuclear bomb in Fort Knox, thereby radiating America's entire gold supply for the better part of fifty plus years, um, fifty eight to be precise, Mister Bond. Uh, you know. It's it it's it's brilliant because then of course who has the who has and who has a shit ton of gold himself Goldfinger mm-hmm. so what does that mean all of his gold just raises in value and seeing Bond figure that out like yes without too much prompting from Goldfinger that proves just how ingenious Goldfinger's plan actually was yeah and like, and Goldfinger's reaction mm-hmm. I love Goldfinger's reaction because he's like he basically he's 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 teasing Bond because he wants Bond to figure it's this, he, it's almost like they're playing a game of gin rummy, right? Like he, he wants to win. He definitely still wants to win, but he's, he wants, he wants a good fight out of Bond and it, it makes for, it makes for great, uh, great cinema. And it's great tension between yes. these two characters. I mean, you know, this whole entire film, they're just in a dance with each other. Like, and, and that was the, that's the one of the things I really appreciate about Goldfinger as, as as an entry in the Bond series, because it is a quote unquote standalone film. Mm-hmm. There's no references to Spectre, you know. There's no uh, you know number one sitting around the corner. There's no Largo. There's no uh, Blofeld or anything like that. It's just Bond trying to take out this one madman with a brilliant plan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's it, it's one of those things where I'm just like ah. You smart, smug <laughs> son of a bitch, you. <laughs> so, so basically, so uh, Bond basically gets uh, dragged into Fort Knox into the plan, right? So he he gets uh, he gets Goldfinger finds him and he is taken into the building and he's gonna he's gonna die in the bomb blast. And but what Goldfinger doesn't uh, know, oh yeah, and what Goldfinger doesn't know is that the day beforehand. He did manage to, uh, to to talk his way out of one of, you know, Goldfinger's right-hand women. Now, I do understand how, especially in the modern context, the scene doesn't play as well as it did in 1964. It does play pretty creepy. Yeah. 
pretty uh, forceful. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't because I do believe there was a uh, in one of the drafts of the script that uh, um, Pussy Glower was supposed to be a straight up lesbian, kind of mm. like Rosa Klebb in From Russia with Love. Okay, but for one reason or another, they just never committed to it. Which you know, fine, fine, fair enough. I mean, at the very least, you could have just said she was bisexual. Yeah, you know that, yeah. that would have worked. But, you know, and <sighs> it's it was very it's very of the times. Like honestly, all I could think of all I could think of when I was watching it is like, yes, this doesn't hold up today. But like, like unfortunately, also, I know what they're could, getting. This could have been worse. Yeah, and I know what they're getting at, right? Like, it's not like yeah. the 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 thought of the day was right. Like, like you you man like not forced but pressured themselves upon a woman and the woman went oh okay they care about me right that's that was the thought but it's the wrong thought but that was the thought so i understand where it was coming from in the movie i don't think it holds up at all but that was i understand where it came from that's that's all i'm saying yeah you know and and in this case being it's like you know bonds is trying to illustrate his point of Listen, you do this. This is gonna really screw over a lot of people, and you don't want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I mean, yeah. Bond's Bond's role is to be a gigolo. Like, I mean, we, let's be clear. Like, that's the reason they send him into most of these missions. Like, it's it's not to kill people. It's to sleep with sleep with women and get into into places. Like, <laughs> well, it, it's supposed to be kind of a bit of both. But, yeah. But, you know, and, and, In the movies, they made him into it that. Reminds me of one of the Felix Leiter uh, one-liners that he gives throughout the film. <laughs> Cause he's, you know, sitting with his buddy in the car and they're like, well, I got 10 to one saying it's either a drink or a dame that, you know, is uh holding them up. It's like, yeah. well, you just yeah. summed up James, James is like almost, almost his entire character. <laughs> that one line. Yeah. That was Felix. Felix is great in this movie. I love, I love Felix in this movie. Oh yeah. I know. He's, he, he's definitely, uh, it, he's not as solid as he was in Dr. No, at least in my opinion. Well, but they don't give still him too of, much. Yeah. 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 And he, but he's still one of the better, uh, early era bonds, and he, he, in my opinion, he would get better as the films go on, especially in the Dalton era. Which, mm-hmm. oh god, license to kill what they do to that poor man. I'm like, ah, oh, it hurts, it hurts my soul. But and Jeffrey Wright, please, uh, oh. do a kick ass job in No Time to Die. I'm begging you, <laughs> give it, give it, give uh, us a Felix uh, spin off, please, with Jeffrey Wright. That would be sweet, dear like, god. Oh, I would watch oh, the hell out of that, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. So so Sarah, so is sarin gas. He was going to, he was like, he was going to knock people out, knock people out with nerve gas, but it was really to kill everybody around Fort Knox. And, uh, and so pussy galore was, has been turned and she puts uh, a, just a random non lethal gas. Yeah. They say it's, they don't men- mention it specifically, but they just replaced it with something non lethal. And so, so everybody, all the, the army moves in on Goldfinger's. uh, Goldfinger's troops and force them deep into the uh, to the vault and force into uh, into effect the uh, the fight that we mentioned a little earlier. That uh, I guess we'll we'll get into now. This this great fight between Oddjob and James Bond. Like you know, you got the climax going on. There's guns blazing everywhere. That's that's cool. But I'm <laughs> I'm watching this this entire climax for one thing and for one thing only. Odd job versus Bond. Like for me, the only fight that in this entire franchise, or at least in this era of the franchise that comes close to it, is Red Grant versus Bond in From Russia with Love. Like 
this is a this is Bond facing his equal yeah. in terms of skill, in terms of combat, in terms of all around badassery. Because Odd Job can take a hit. He yep. can take a huge and hit. And he's smart. He's smart. He's not just a thug, right? Like he knows he he understands what he's doing in in a fight and he 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 t- he gets advantage of of James quite a few times and it, and and it's it's basically it is a physical chess match. We were talking about the chess match on the golf course. This one is the one with with their fists and and his big ass barrel chest. So <laughs> And you want another thing I actually really appreciate about the sequence? There's no score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, it, just the sounds. It's just, yeah. just these two fighting, and it, there's something in my opinion just so pure about that. You know, especially uh, in a move, and especially in a series that's known for like these big bombastic scores and underscoring like these moments with with crazy brass and stuff. And literally everything else going on in this in this climax. Yeah, there's music everywhere, but this you is cut, the one yeah. spot where it cuts out, and we just have these two badasses going for it, and. You know, and it only ends in uh, it ends like every other fitting James Bond fight ending, with you know, James throws the hat, it lands in between the bars. Ajab knocks him down on the ground again, but before Ajab can finish grabbing the hat, you know, here we have that awesome practical effect that got uh, Harold uh, injured. You know, thank God didn't kill him, mm-hmm. but you know, it's crazy to think like the real stunts that went on in old Hollywood. When when you when you when you when you grow up thinking it's like oh the stunt stunts have uh, safety precautions and stuff like that, CGI and stuff like that, and you watch old movies um, and you you start to realize it's like no, that person's actually on fire and stuff like that. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty oh, insane what people go through for the, for for the art that we watch, and it's uh. Crazy. You know, and but and and but here's the blessing of that is that because they went through that crap now or that crap then we now made sure that we have safe to yes. make sure that that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yes, because, you know, let's say on the set of No Time to Die, an explosion went off. Oh wait a minute, <laughs> did did, did it happen? Oh no! Yeah. Oh jeez! Yeah! Oh jeez! Oh, Luckily, that's right, no Craig. Injured. Yeah, um, no, didn't Craig didn't wasn't Craig injured for a little bit and they had to pause production? Or was that just, just a stunt for him? Set of. Oh yeah! Oh, oh, you're right. He did get injured. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Never mind. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess this is just one of this is like the one franchise that's kind of cursed in that yeah. department. <laughs> but I, I want, I noticed especially with this, uh, this fight scene and everything we talked about a little earlier. But uh, there are very few movies that that I think are very modern, no matter when they were made. Like this is one of them. Like this looks like there are techniques used in this that why didn't other movies for for 40 years use them, right? Like there's things that you see just nowadays as commonplace that, that we're using like this movie and you can go back like like Citizen Kane, Star Wars, stuff like that. Things, the way fil- things are filmed and the way things are shot, it looks like a modern movie at points in this. And it looks like it could have been filmed if they filmed on film yesterday. Yeah, you know, and uh, of course I have to give just a, a, men, a tremendous props to the practical effects team on this film. Even though not all of them hold up, <laughs> like uh, Goldfinger going out the window, but... Yeah, you know, the, the also... rudimentary green screen was, was it's, 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 it's decent for, for 19th to the 60s. For the 60s, it's yeah, great. It's, yeah. Especially during the car chases. Like, mm-hmm. it, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Like, it still holds up. It's a huge improvement from Dr. No, like... Mm-hmm. You know, sure, the 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 car chase with the three blind mice, it's, it's not that great. I love the movie, but it's not that great. 
whereas here, you know, Bond uh, going after or having that little cat and mouse game with Tilly yeah. on the highway in Switzerland. That was really good. That was really good. Mm-hmm. And heck, uh, Bond um, at the Switzerland factory in that big long car chase there. Yeah. Damn, that was some good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's come a long way than I think anyone realizes. Yes. It's come, or it's come a longer way than anyone realizes, even from, you know, being now 56 years ago. Mm. And so, think about that. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I, I love looking at it, especially because we do like a lot of like movies from like 20 or 30, 40 years ago that like seeing, seeing the way the effects have improved or in, even in the case of Cody Banks, even dis, dis, uh, not, not improved <laughs> in certain scenes, <laughs> but uh, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that one eventually. So we think, we think mm-hmm. everything's done, but Goldfinger is still around and he's got one more, he got one more ace up his sleeve, one more plan. He's, uh, he disguises himself as a U.S. army general and hijacks a plane because <laughs> Of course, oh, right? <laughs> and uh, and James and James Bond uh, warns him, like he warned Pussy Galore earlier, that he probably shouldn't shoot on the plane, otherwise he's going to die. And Goldfinger can't listen because he's got to he's got to win. He's got to be. He's got to do it. So he shoots and he and he gets sucked out the plane like uh, Odd Job. That was apparently Odd Job's original death in the uh, in the book. Yep, was out of the plane. So they kind of repurpose that for Goldfinger, and I, I, I think that's better. I think that's a better ending because the, I well, wouldn't want to get rid of the fight we had with Oddjob. Exactly, you know, uh, and you know, and it does lead to another classic line, for at least in my opinion. Wait, what happened? Where's Goldfinger? He's playing his golden hop. <laughs> you know, it's like James never change. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, so of course, then they. You know, they crash, and before they can be rescued, James is like, well, let's have one more round before <laughs> yeah. we uh, get out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, having fun on a, on, a, on a deserted island. So that that brings us to the end of Goldfinger there, and I guess we'll, that's straight into... Um, <laughs> I used to love this. I remember I watched this movie so many times growing up, but because I had, like, the biggest crush on Hilary Duff growing up, like... Like so much, so like like I rewatched this movie on repeat. Man, I I don't know. Again, like you guys know me, I am very very biased. I can't not love this movie. <laughs> this this movie is just so much fun. Three times, I saw this movie three times in the theater. Nice, <laughs> no regrets. And you know, funny before before Jurassic Park or before Jurassic World, this was the movie I saw the most in the theaters. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, then I saw that three times in theaters, and then I saw Force Awakens seven times. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that kind of brought the record. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I – there was something about – there was something about this movie that really appealed to me as a kid mm-hmm. when it came out in 2003. Because, of course, you know, I, I watched Lizzie McGuire's show, so I wanted to see it for her. I liked Malcolm in the Middle, so yeah. I saw it for him. Uh, and – you know, there and I, I was already getting into James Bond by this point. Yeah. You know, yep, same sure, here. I, yep. I, I, I didn't see Die Another Day, partially because uh, my dad said it wasn't very good, so <laughs> I took his word for it. But, you know, I was watching Goldeneye whenever it was on TV, or I'd watched one of the classic Bonds. Like, I'd seen pretty much ha- over half of the films by this point. Oh, wow. In that franchise. You know, so this movie was perfect for me because I love spy movies, you know, and even the ones that are clearly spoof or pay homage yeah and this one was a fun little kids adventure mm-hmm. you know 
And funny enough, uh, so in 2013, I was at a show uh, in St. Paul. Um, my in college, my roommate was in a band called Anirie, and they opened for up for a band called Kingsfoil. And who happened to be their drummer? None other than Frankie, Frankie Muniz. Muniz. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, and uh, you know, because I was friends with people at the venue, and I was, you know, obviously, like I said, my roommate was the opening act. We, you know, I got to just hang out, and you know, yeah, seriously, I talked with Frankie for like, oh man. An hour. Yeah, he always had to hop in the tour van. he always seemed like a cool dude. Like he always seemed like pretty pretty down to earth. He was he was one of my favorite. Like like when when I was growing up, he was he was growing up too in 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 the industry. So it was it was easy to like lob on lob, or sorry, uh, latch onto him as as kind of like someone to 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 be in a movie. Like that's my kind of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for, movie Chris? Star. Yeah, no. Well, um, uh, what's the well, what's the word that a protagonist you you're supposed to um supposed to be able to be in the movie like oh, there's there's some film term for like seeing there, yourself yeah, there, in the movie in it. and i and i'm not gonna be able to think of that. it god damn it anyway he was that right like he was he was in a yeah. bunch of movies and it was easy to see myself in that movie because of him and so this movie it's great because it starts avatar yeah that works that's perfect yeah avatar works perfectly so we get a uh we get a nice actually start um kind of like a like a James Bond kind of uh, scene where he, Frankie Muniz shows what he's made of. Like we get a we get a nice downhill skateboarding scene where he saves he saves a precocious little kid who can't keep his hands to himself, and uh, and sends himself flying down a flying down a, a road. Which you know it's like <laughs> uh, on the one hand I do appreciate the scene because the references to Bullet are amazing. Yep. Uh, you know, you can tell that the writer Zach Stentz just really <laughs> loved that movie, and um, I I had him on Who Cares Anyway last year for about a half hour, and before we went live, I did talk to him a little bit about the film, and oh, Bullet nice. was one of the films he referenced for for that opening sequence. Wow, I'm like, yeah. that's, that's that awesome. that's cl- that's yeah, that's very clear that you mention it. <laughs> you know, and, and it makes perfect sense because like you want to combine uh, a few different elements when you're trying to pay homage to that sort of '60s era of spy film, and yeah, you know, C- Frankie Muniz in this film. Even though we're supposed to see him as sort of that Sean Connery, Pierce Brosnan kind of kind of character, he winds up portraying it more like Steve McQueen. Yeah. Well, and he's 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 he is the he is the James Bond without the ladies material. Like he is the anti anti ladies James Bond. Like he has no yeah. game. That's that's the entire point of the movie is that he's supposed to have the game, and he's he said he was good with girls, but he's a kid. He lied about being good with girls. That's that's what they do. So so he gets I mean, yeah, in he, he gets into trouble he for that. Ass Twenty ways from Sunday, but uh, you know if if you're a father to a fifteen year old daughter. <laughs> Oh, you're, she's totally safe. Like yeah. he will not, he will not talk to her without messing yeah. up. It's it's perfect. So we get we get uh, quickly introduced to um to the villains of the film right after this too, and uh, I completely forgot. I haven't seen this movie in a few years. I forgot Ian McShane was like the main bad guy. That well, he's, holy he's so shit, perfect. he's so great. Ian McShane's great in everything. I love Ian McShane I, in everything, but like yeah, like. Yeah. 
oh, he's eating he's eating the scenery. He's like, oh, my grandkids are going to love this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, Ian McShane is, is to this movie what Tim Curry is to 1993's Three Musketeers. Like, he yeah. is, there is no scenery left to choose. He has eaten all of it. But then somehow he still makes room for the greatest henchman who ever lived that being, you know, the odd job of this film. He's the, he's the star of this dialogue. podcast because, like, we, we he was on The Mummy. I'm pretty sure he was in a movie or a, another movie that we did. But, like, Arnold Vizlou, man. Like, Arnold Vizlou, it's, he's, he is, again, he... Chew, they love to chew scenery. I just... That scenery had teeth marks all over it, this, this, this movie. I love just the <laughs> it's so angry but it's it's not it's not scary right because it's a it's, kid's movie yeah. so it's like he knows how to ride the line about being like being kind of intimidating but also like a joke like he's he's a complete yeah. and total joke but like he can kind of give off that that presence that he needs and it's it's a great performance absolutely i mean <laughs> like especially the, with their little interplay between each other. It's like, yeah. you can tell, like, they're, they're, they're not playing this as boss and henchman. They're playing this as, like, boyfriend, yep, and yep. it's perfect. Oh, man. And then we get we get quickly introduced to the CIA as well. Um, Keith David. Uh, Keith Keith David uh, as the head of the CIA. I, again, Keith David in anything. Anything Keith David is anything. in. He's, he is, he is like, just the presence, the presence of him. Like, and Every director seems to understand if you hire Keith David, you're hiring Keith David. You let him do his Keith David thing on set because every movie he is just in the best way possible himself, right? Like it's just this, this bravo, the uh, great gravitas, but he's just, I describe him as uh, Samuel L. Jackson with class. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, and then Angie Harmon. Uh, oh my God! What? How was I able to watch this movie as a child? Why was I allowed to watch this movie as a child? <laughs> <laughs> that's the way Angie Harmon looked. Holy shit! Hot <laughs> <laughs> um, in. If I ever have the chance Hot to meet here, her, I can ever get. <laughs> That wish granted for myself. I will just say, <laughs> make a wish. I kid. had a crush on you as a child. Ooh. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, and she's great. Like she's a great, and she knows she she's playing it up, right? Like, and this is the thing is yeah. like everybody in this movie knows exactly what type of movie they're in, which is why I think it it works so well because they're all playing up the the ham factor, the the irony of the, of this entire yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, well, cripes. Daryl <laughs> Hammond as our cue. Oh my god! I was getting like, to him. He's my. He might be my favorite. He might be my favorite. He's of the probably movie. my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, it's just. But you know, you and I both know <laughs> what would have made this role absolutely better is if he did it as Sean Connery. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, you see, this is the dope stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> Because was that after, oh, man, what what was that? You're the man now, dog. When was that movie released? That was, like, late 90s, right? Finding uh, Forrester? Yes. Yeah, because that, that, yeah, yeah, that, that joke would have landed then. Sean Connery being, like, this kind of trying to be this hip dude. <laughs> that joke would have totally You're the man, landed. dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, Daryl Hammond, I love. <laughs> we Because we get the uh, X-ray specs, right? It's, like, <laughs> low-grade X-ray specs, right? And he just stares at Ronica. And it's just, like, 
<laughs> like, what is this movie? <laughs> this is a kid's movie. Like, I mean, yeah, it, 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 is, it is actually pretty It's made. Terrible. It's made for both. Like, it goes over your head. I never noticed that. I've like yeah, until now. Exactly. Like, I I didn't get that as a kid, and mm-hmm. I get it as an adult. And sure, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, this is childish. But on the other hand, I'm like, but it actually is also like it, it's it's part of the joke because yeah. hell, we did this in a Bond film. Yep. Like Bond had that moment in Octopussy where you know he had an extra <laughs> microscopic lens or something that he could you know do it you know do that with. And what does he look at? A woman's <laughs> chest, and it's like. Oh, James, don't ever change. <laughs> uh, but, and, and plus, here's the other difference. Cody's a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, yep, he's, he, can, yep. he can get away with this a little more easily. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, a, he's, a, he's, na- he's not naive. Yeah, he's naive, and he's, uh, he's, he's growing. He's still, he's still growing. So speaking of that, he goes, um, his, his mission then becomes, as we, as we hinted earlier, to, uh, to, be a become woo Hillary Duff. Woo Hillary Duff, the uh, the daughter of a scientist that's working for the bad guys who are creating nanobots. I was gonna is... say, and and let's talk about like what is nowadays the actual best part of this movie mm-hmm. because I genuinely want there to be nanobot technology. It's like it's now. it was the coolest shit. I remember it and I this is what I think of when I think of like nanites and nanobots is like is like oh man they could clean up the ocean from oil and stuff like I anything from that is from this movie. Like I love the this idea of and the scientist says like oh I'm I'm totally creating this for like good and these these weird people with scars and and all white suits and 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 lots of glass and wait 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 what yeah. you want to kill people with my stuff what <laughs> it's like oh poor naive scientist because <laughs> of course that's how the story has to go and again that's just you know having fun with the satire that's having yeah. fun with the audience with this with the you know with the past of what came before but i mean yeah can you imagine that kind of technology as <sighs> being put to good use in real life? Can uh, like people? Okay, seriously, I'm gonna rant on this for just like thirty seconds. Sorry, Kyle. Go. I'm really gonna do go, this. Go for it. Can we please start petitions to have nanobite technology that actually does this? Please, we need this for our oceans. We need this for our landfills. Let's fucking make it happen. There's got to be some way. There's got to be some please. way. So, Please. so his his Cody's job is to woo this girl, and he gets a scholarship thanks to the CIA to this this preparatory academy. Who his family, which we haven't we haven't mentioned his family, and they're they're great cast of characters, but um, his yeah, family they're, is they're, they're fun. But you can clearly tell there was some Malcolm in the Middle influence there. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, like the little brother is absolutely Dewey, mm-hmm. and the mom is oh, so oh, it's Lois, yeah, it's nice it's Lois. So Lois, it's nice Lois. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. nice Lois, but um, but yeah, so he goes to the school and he's immediately out of place, of course, and he, he he flubs up his first his first line, and what a we get. There's there's some fun school stuff, but the best thing about I think this school scene is the driving scene. Like it's it's I think it's so much fun. It's a great like it's a great stunt scene. Like it looks it still like holds up pretty good. It um I love that he like the the teacher even though he is very stereotypical <laughs> is again another thing from a James Bond movie that they stole is very it's a very stereotypical performance. But I mean at least it's an Asian actor and it's not somebody that's not an Asian actor. That's 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 things Thank we've seen God before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but um. 
but the scene is great. Like the driving back and forth, the, the, they're driving in reverse and, and, and trying to impress her. And then her, 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 she or her being impressed. I always remember this, her being impressed, but then her friends coming over and go, Oh my God, he almost killed you. And she's going like, Oh yeah, that's right. Like she changes her mind in, in the instant there. And he's still, he's like, Oh shit, I got more work to do. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and that actually is a brilliant little moment of satire of what, you know, high school actually can be like, mm-hmm. you know, if you surround yourself with friends who do have more hive mind mentality and they, they will change your mind on something in a, in a, in a, in a flash. Mm-hmm. Like the number of times that's happened in my high school experience, um, I could write a book. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so Cody, Cody then basically has to, um, he, he goes to the CIA and he's like, I need my license, right? Like he needs, he needs his license. He needs a car, all this kind of stuff. And the, we get, holy crap, a 250, I think it's a 250 GT California. Like that's like a, like a, like it's one of the most beautiful Ferraris. I don't know how they got it for this movie. And it's like, you can very tell, very clearly tell that it's a small man driving that car <laughs> and definitely not Frankie Muniz because the insurance like, like, like I love this Don't car because it's it, it again care. James Bond. It's James Bond, right? Yeah, like it's exactly. it's it's Don't perfect. Care. It's it's so and she Ronica shows up in that in the red suit in the red leather suit in the Ferrari. It's like like perfect. <laughs> it's like yeah, you know what? Listen, listen, Angie Harmon, you're you're beautiful, but get, get out of the way. I want that car. <laughs> yeah. So he shows he shows up to the party. And, uh, and he, he, Oh, as I say, we actually oh, uh, skipped how we even got the invitation in the first place. All oh, the invitations. My bad. Yeah. Cause, it. uh, you know, they had to do that thing where, you know, first oh, he the, creeps yes. around because, you know, <laughs> and with, with actually one of the most hilarious scenes in the movie where he's like, guys, I can't do all this crazy homework and talk to her and oh, yeah. do my chores and literally <laughs> In like, in like a glorious montage. It's Soviet like, style montage with the music and everything, like this kind of like propagandist kind of like thing, right? Yeah, like you know, you have CIA agents all over just <laughs> mowing the lawn, doing the laundry, cleaning the house, so it's perfect. And it's like, what the hell? And then of course it closes out with right as the parents are coming home. Quick, everyone leave. <laughs> You know, and what 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 was he supposedly playing the whole time? Warcraft three. Warcraft okay, three. Sure. <laughs> I I love that shout out. I love the all the stuff on on his walls like amped. There's an amped poster for Xbox. It's like oh, that was my shit. I used to play that game all the time. I remember that game. That game was awesome. It's like everything. I, like Dragon Ball Z. There were Dragon Ball Z posters. Goku was up on his wall. I was like, oh man. This is totally like my room. <laughs> my room now, not even my room back then. <laughs> but so at the party, basically, Cody Cody's job is also to uh, spy on a meeting that's happening between uh, between the 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 scientist, Hillary Duff's father, and, uh, uh, and the, Dr. Connors, and then Dr. Brinkman. Brinkman, yeah, he's a doctor as well, and they go down this really cool. Uh, I love the kind of like the San Francisco style like escalator elevator that that goes down. I always I always thought it was just it was a sweet little feature that they that they had on there. And this is where we find out that the nano the nanites have to be in ice, right? Like they, they need to be stayed in ice, otherwise they'll eat through basically anything except glass. Glass is the only thing they they won't eat through. That's about Which, it. Boy, is that is that convenient. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, and then like, and and you do have that sort of Mission Impossible. Yeah, uh, I was gonna. This you know, this, shout is, out. this is the part where it's like, oh yeah, this is made after the Brian De Palma Mission Impossible, so it has to have a callback to it. Like it's like any any spy parody or like homage basically has that nowadays that's one of like the goldfinger ones like we were talking about with the uh the laser beam in between the legs i'm surprised they did this and not that right like to to harken back to that but that what that's one of the ones that's newer that's really sunk into the consciousness like well yeah and i i think for all the crap that uh you know mission impossible one and two get they still did make a big impact and obviously the franchise has only made more and more of an impact as it's gone on so i mean i'll i'll give i'll give some crap to number two i mean i still like it but i mean number one i think is still great like i mean it's the thing is mission impossible somehow became one of one of the few franchises to get better as it went along instead of worse as it went along like it it's only getting better and it's it's it, it blows my mind, honestly, every time it does it, because it's like, when are they going mean, to slow down? Yeah. When you make a franchise where people argue if your fourth, fifth, or sixth <laughs> film are better and not your first or second or third, you got a good franchise on your hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Damn. yeah, so Cody messes up because he fights He fights with a bunch of, uh, fights with a bunch of bullies and, and knocks them in the pool and, and acts all cool and uh, gives away his... Uh, Gives away his spiness to uh, to uh, uh, Arnold v- uh, Vosloo. Fr- yeah. Francois. Molay. That's right. Molay. <laughs> All I could think of is 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 uh, Austin Powers. Molay, 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 molay. Molay, 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 That's all I could think of. Um, so Cody, uh, Cody basically messes up at this point, right? Like this is where Cody kind of uh, Cody screws. Uh, well, well, and this is where, you know, they decided to go the uh, buddy cop film oh, where, yeah, yeah. You know, where, you know, all right, I need your gun and your badge. <laughs> all right, sir. But I did the right thing. Yep. <laughs> you know, before, you know, before eventually they go rogue and then they stop the bad guys. Which, yeah, it, again, this is this is lethal weapon. This is, you know, die it's a hard formula with vengeance. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's a formula that works. That's the thing. It's like I have, I have, n- I never have an issue with a formula because that, it, like, it's, like you said, it works, right? Like the things there, there's a reason it works. It's just you have to make it in. You have to find the way to make the formula interesting, right? That's that's the biggest issue when you're not dealing with something brand new like that. But I think that the 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 comedy that they're able to get in, in I think it this comedy holds up a lot better I think than than some of the James Bond comedy and it's it, it's definitely it not as late than, it holds up better than you'd think it would because mm-hmm. especially like, for early two thousands <laughs> yeah which was uh, could have been very cringy <laughs> has has not aged well can like some days I just want to regret that that era of film ever happening. <laughs> If I'm being perfectly honest with myself. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, that's um, the thing. Like, we're going to talk about this a little bit because, like, I think that we'll talk about maybe later, but we can talk about it now. The uh, Rotten Tomatoes percentages. This one's at, like, 24%, I think, is, like, what I saw. I don't get it. And I think it's... I don't get it. I don't understand. Maybe they just didn't understand that it was supposed to be fun. Like, like what were they they going in? What was the expectation going into this movie? Because seeing it as... I think what it comes down to uh, for for this particular case is that they wanted a film that was more strictly aimed at kids and not 
aimed at people who could be fans of James Bond, so on, Mission Impossible, so on, so forth. Like they, they thought this was just going to be a dumb kid spy film, but this wound up being a loving tribute to all the great stuff that's come before and carry over some of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when, when that was, those expectations weren't met, people got upset and, yeah. you know, they didn't give it a good review. Like I, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I definitely don't think it, it there's no way it, it deserves twenty four percent. I I think it's fresh. I think it's I think it's good. I think it's like a I mean, good, I, I, we'll I, get to the I end because the end. I, I literally wouldn't give it anything above like a sixty percent. Yeah, that's still, but it's a fresh. kids movie. It, like that's the thing is yeah. also also it's hard for like I think it's it's really hard for like critics to judge kids movies, especially if you like can't like if you can't really get into that mindset. If you don't think you can get into the mindset of like a a kid, right? Because it's 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 not made for you, right? Like it's like this, but this movie is, this movie is made for everybody. Like they, I think they did a great job at, at putting pieces in for, for little kids and for older kids and for, for adults that have to take their kids to the movies, right? Like they, if they have to sit through this, they're going to have fun watching, watching them poke fun at James Bond movies the whole time, right? They're going to laugh when their kids aren't laughing and the kids are going to laugh when the adults aren't laughing. And that's like, what Disney Disney used to be good at subtle things with that kind of stuff. They were yeah, never. They're, they're they, so good. Yeah, they they. I think they're they're a little more safe. I think they're they're a little more safe recently than uh, not. Yeah, I think, think that's so Yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> but so um so Cody uh Cody attempts to uh, go rogue and and save uh, Hillary Duff, but uh, she gets kidnapped right by by Arnold Vislu and. Yeah, uh, good. Well, actually, like, she comes to see him, mm. surprisingly enough, and then they go out for ice cream, yes. and, you know, it's a cute little scene in the mm-hmm. diner, you know. Uh, but then, of course, yeah, it's like, all of a sudden, a plate with a burger comes on, it's like, eat your burger. <laughs> then there's Arnold Vosloo, and it's just like, we and we actually have a really cool fight in the kitchen. Yeah, that's a good, it's a great fight. It's a great, another great fight. Like, I was like, oh, wow, this fight is, is really good. And there's some fun fights in the, uh, in the, Ice fortress in the mountains <laughs> later too. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's some there's some good action scenes as 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 we get there, but um, you know, and, and one of the scenes that always stuck with me when I, when I saw this in the theaters was just that visual of the close up of Arnold Vosloo's fist just coming into the camera like that and yeah. knocking Cody out. You're like, whoa, <laughs> hello, and then oh, and speaking of uh, visual gags. So while I appreciate the, the, that literally the next shot is Cody in the van, uh, I did skip this one for some reason. After the house cleaning scene, mm-hmm. you know, he heads out to the van where everyone's parked in, yeah. and literally everyone's just scrunched in there like, yeah. hey, Cody, what's up? <laughs> yeah, was, Can you call her, please? Stick a hand out. One of them sticks like a hand out to hand him something. <laughs> <and> something. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Trying to, uh, oh yeah, and um, yeah, Cascade Mountains. Yeah, Cascade Mountain. Well, um, uh, uh, Veronica pins a pin on Cody, and uh, (laughs) she gives she gives him a little keepsake, right? And uh, she's like, "Okay, keep this. It was from my mentor and stuff like that." And Cody, being this being the super spy, thinks it's a uh, thinks it's a tracker, and uh, and and tosses it away. And later on, we learn that uh, when when Veronica shows up in the in the mountains on her uh, on her little uh. Hover, helicopter. Uh, you what is it? Jetpack type thing that they that they that they made. Like that's a real thing. I've seen that. I've seen that thing. Um, nice. 
she she tells him no it was just a pin like the tread that's that's not the tracker that was just a pin that my man it was 18 karat gold it was a nice pin <laughs> i just i love that little, like that little in, in exchange between them and they have this kind of uh this kind of uh antagonistic relationship because she doesn't seem to enjoy being partnered partnered with a kid being his handler because they don't use the term partner until the end of the movie yeah it's like it's like half and a half done right (laughs) (laughs) but so they go into the uh the the cascade mountains basically and this is just like kind of your average everyday third act i've I've kind of feel everything everything goes to crap Definitely paint homage to the Roger Moore era of Bond where, you know, we're in the mountains instead of skis, we're on a snowboard because, of course, that's what all yeah. the kids are into. <laughs> I love you know, and there's the the bit with the guys chasing him on the snowmobiles and he knocks one oh, yeah, out that's a great and scene, yeah. lights the other one on fire and it's like, whoa, okay, <laughs> we're getting, now, we're, now we're getting violent. Good. <laughs> kind of wish the guy died. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, so... One of one of the cool things is it, I remember skipping over a little bit, but the uh, at, when they're escaping and uh, and Cody's trying to find a way to save them as he he drives a snowmobile through the uh, through the the building that's wrecking down, sparks fly everywhere, looks real cool, real X Games shit, and uh, and uh, he has to find a way to get the doors open, and he throw he he grabs ice cubes full of the nanites and throws them at the doors, and, and they start melting and eating the doors away. I was like I was like oh I was like how come I'd never really I don't know what if I just never paid attention to it before or never noticed. It was like that's that's fairly ingenious and and fairly yeah, good sacrificing I, himself. I, I definitely don't remember that from the theater. If I'm yeah. being perfectly honest, yeah. Like you know, um, you know, and there were a couple other little little pieces from that sequence. Like I don't remember uh, Ronica actually putting the little bombs all over the place. I don't remember them doing that. There's which, a couple uh, shots I, I think I, I remember, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple yeah. shots of them. Just I think they're doing it as they walk along. They get walked along places and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, the the real important thing is that they get they get out. They uh, they all they all survive because this is a kids movie. So of course of course they're all going to uh, survive. Except for Ian McShane. Yeah, um, and, you know <laughs> that's okay. right. I love I, I love his acting. Movie, but but I want to talk about what for me is still the cringiest shot in this film. You don't like it's, the effects of that. So, no, 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 no. I like the effects of it. Why? What, oh, okay. what? What still bugs me? This bugged me as a kid, <laughs> and it bugs me now. Is the way that the camera shoots Hillary Duff just slowly walking up to Ian McShane with the ice cube oh, in her hand, yes, to shove it in his mouth. And I'm like, why are we shooting this like a Michael Bay film? <laughs> Yeah. This looks like a Megan Fox shot in a Michael Bay yeah. film. Can we not do that? Like, Fair. she was not. 18 at the time. Well, and she was trying to sexually sell this thing. Wasn't she wearing a skirt the whole time too? I think she was wearing a skirt the whole time too. Like I was like, like looking back at it now, it's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know if that's completely necessary. Like pants would have been nice. (laughs) Pants would have been nice. I mean, again, again, I I like this movie and not even a dad. And this is absolutely one of them. Yeah. it didn't work for me as a kid. It doesn't work now, even though I love how the villain dies. I was gonna say, yeah, it's a great death for him. The I, I thought the effects were kind of like sweet. Like I I don't remember oh, it being like God. it reminds me of uh of Last Crusade. Like like yes. like it was it was so it's on that kind of like mind blowing kind of like as a kid level. Like if you see that happen, you're like, oh shit, don't drink out of the wrong cup. Like <laughs> don't do that shit. <laughs> 
So so Cody Cody they uh, they get out they're they're safe and uh, Cody has one kind of final request. He wants he wants one one more thing from the CIA. And <laughs> what is that? It's just for his girlfriend who cannot drive at all to have a driver's license. And we get like, oh, one of the scariest looking scenes because like it looks like that was one of the few scenes they actually like let like they let Hillary Duff drive that car on that road doing that stunt because they pull out from from the car to do it. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> they, they slide swipe really close on there. I was like, whew. <laughs> Cody, listen, your country is proud of you. You did a great service for us. Thank you. But, um, Next time, don't. <laughs> Just don't. Just freaking don't. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, bud. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> so we 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 did just talk about it a little bit, but since we're, then we got to the end of the Cody here, and we'll we'll wrap it up here. Cody Banks, fresh, right? It's good. It's a good yeah. movie. It's it's it doesn't deserve the rap that it that it got, and I think it's a a great homage to it's not a parody it's it makes fun of but it's it, it is more homage than anything to to spy it, movies it, it, it's a great homage and it's a great time capsule film yes i feel yeah yeah you know and, and i think the reason that it does get its bum rap is because it is lumped in with a lot of those other uh kids movies from that era like you know your clock stoppers your spy kids <laughs> oh TV, shit clock you know your your alex Ryder. oh wow you know, yeah. th- those films that didn't know what they were like they, they knew what they were doing well enough i guess but they, they didn't have they a were vision only entertaining for kids yeah. and they weren't entertaining for adults yeah Agent Cody Banks, I will defend the first one. I will defend as a film that does entertain adults and kids because it does have a lot of heart, but it does have some really good jokes that do still work for the most part. Yes. Um, you know, again, not every line in this thing is perfect, but I do think it it absolutely gets way too much crap. And you know, I'm and heck, I'm I'm I don't want to necessarily speak for the guy, but from the conversation that I did have with Frankie when we hung out was he. You know, he loves talking to fans of the film, and he oh, yeah. loves reminiscing about it because it was one of his favorite projects. Wow, that's, you know, that's good. That, that's good awesome. To hear. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome to hear. And it looks like they had fun. Like that's the thing. It also looked like it was a fun time to make that movie. So that's yeah. always a uh, that's always a, a bonus, especially when when you have to work with uh, with young actors and stuff like that. So, Chris, next week. I have a uh, I have a pair of movies here. We're gonna be talking to Chris Engel with them, but figured I'd, oh I'd give a uh, give a little tease here. We are going oh to do some sports movies. Some two that I, I th- I've seen one of them a long, long time ago, and I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the other one. Um, Major League. We're gonna team up Major League with the Replacements, and we're gonna we're gonna tackle two 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 sports movies and see. Uh, See how they stack up. I I saw Major League is the one that I I watched as a young young child as my, was one of my dad's favorites. So I I, I had the 
the weird memories that when you watch a movie, they like flash by, right? Like you're like, oh Jesus, I remember this. <laughs> like, like out of nowhere. Like it's like, oh wow, I watched, I definitely watched this movie at some point. I had that with Mulholland Drive of all things. Oh, the, wow. I was like, <laughs> wait a second, this cowboy scene in the corral is extremely familiar, but I don't, exa- I can't exactly place it. I was too young to watch this movie, definitely, but I definitely watched it, but I was too young to watch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, so that's your movie, because my movie I watched way too young was A Clockwork Orange. Oh. So. <laughs> that's a good one, too. Well, I can never hear Singing in the Rain again. Oh, geez. <laughs> I mean, my, my movie kind of viewing was kind of screwed. I used, to ha- I used to want to watch the puppy movie. The puppy movie in my house was Cujo. <laughs> that's what I would ask to watch. So if, if that gives a little insight into uh, <laughs> into me for you guys, like there you go. Uh, Chris, where can uh, where can people find you on, on the internet or wherever, wherever they want? Uh, yeah, you guys can uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Stardust, Letterboxd, and Discord at Skywalker Doman. Um, I, th- you know, so you guys might see some musical instruments behind me because I'm currently in pre-production on my first album so hope to have it done before the end of the year uh and if you like metal you'll you're gonna like it oh sweet awesome well i can't wait to hear about that we'll uh we'll uh pump that out when it when it when it gets closer and we'll 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 help you out there and you can find me everywhere kyle gabrant everywhere and uh please like share subscribe do whatever you want comment if you guys don't tell us what you want to see then we're just going to keep picking movies that we want to do so (laughs) that's the way it works everybody have a great uh rest of your day remember wash your hands wear a mask see you later take care